Hello, Monette. Good to see you. Is Sophie here? All right. Yeah, cool. How y'all doing, huh? All right. Well, we'll start with singing some Christmas songs, right? It is that season, and we're going to start with my favorite one, uh, Joy to the World. Let's stand and we'll sing together. cold? Uh-huh. I got a cold too. I can barely keep it up. But we'll try it again on the second verse. Sing it out. You ready? Here we go. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness, wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. You can be seated. Next song we'll sing is Who Is He in Yonder Stall? Who is he in yonder stall? At whose feet the shepherds fall? Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Lo, at midnight, who is he? Praise in darkest ceremony. Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. Who is he that from the grave comes to heal and help and save? Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. The last one we'll sing is Away in a Manger.
Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. So someplace in that song this morning it says something about Jesus crying. Did it say something in that song? About Jesus crying. They asked this morning, did Jesus cry? As a baby, did Jesus cry? Because, you know, we, we often think that this is true. Some babies crying is sinful crying, right? You know that after about, once the, once the newness wears off, you know, and you begin to, you realize they, they don't, they've been fed, they've been cleansed, they, all they want is their way, and they are going to keep crying until you give it to them. And, uh, but uh, Jesus at least didn't do that. I suppose Jesus cried, because not all crying is sinful crying, right? This is a good question. I never really thought about it much. All right. Let's see what we have in the way of prayer requests. First of all, Brian's here someplace. There he is. So, Brian, would you give us an update on Miss Andrea? So she might come home tomorrow. I'm saying this again so that it goes over the airways. So uh, Miss Andrea might be able to come home. Things went very well. They got all the tumor. They don't believe there's any follow-up on treatments, correct? So uh, just praise the Lord for that. Do we know anything about the lymph node yet? There was one lymph node they were looking at? They, they took them both out and everything Two? Them back. Okay, all right. So, so. You know, they won't really know until about a week later. Okay. That there's probably no residual. It's just years ago. Right, okay. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Uh, let's see, Tim Huggins had surgery t yesterday, and uh, he is doing well. He had prostate surgery, he does not have cancer, uh, but uh, he's doing well, so continue to pray for him. Clifford had uh, all of his teeth taken out yesterday and uh, fitted for dentures, so pray for him as he recovers from that. That's always a, a fun surgery, I understand. Um, somebody else had surgery, wasn't it? Skeet, oh no, I didn't. Yeah, Skeet had surgery just a few minutes ago. He's finished up. Thank you. I got that message. That was today. I got that message from Miss Carol. Uh, let's see. It says uh, Skeet is in recovery after going without food or drink from midnight. <laughs> uh, they, you know, it was his surgery was not. It wasn't. Uh, I guess that important, right? If I can say it that way, so wasn't. You know, how do you, what's that word? Is that medical term? Scheduled. Well, wasn't scheduled. That's true. Well, that's also the one. What's triage, right? He was triaged out toward the end. He was he's not that uh, of necessity anyway. But uh, he is. They got uh, they they put in. Uh, see if I can say this. Uh, they went and removed all the things. Put staples back in. Said that it looked clean. The the tissue looked like it was healing. Everything looked good that way. Uh, he still has a couple of tubes. Uh, to make sure to drain. So the prayer request is this. Uh, there, he is scheduled to be dismissed from the hospital to rehab, but the insurance is saying, eh, we're not sure if we're going to cover that. So um, they would like for him to go to rehab just to make sure that he gets the movement that he needs to to recover well. Uh, so just pray that the uh, insurance will, will uh, cover that. Okay. What do you have for us to be praying about this evening? Wow. Okay, Jeff. Does it involve leaving Indiana? Okay. <laughs> Just other other ministry opportunities, other other Pray for Joe and Joy as they seek God's will and opportunity. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for watching over Miss Andrea and uh, getting her through this surgery and praying now that you get her uh, home quickly. Uh, thank you for watching over Skeet and getting him through this next step and ask that uh, this would all heal up and he'd be able to get home. We're, they would ask that uh, insurance would be acceptable of this uh, rehab and uh, he'd be able to spend some time there and getting up and about like he needs to. Be with Tim, help him to continue to recover. Be with uh, Clifford, help him to continue to recover. We, uh, ask that you would be with others in our church that maybe are fighting the flus and the colds and those kinds of things. That you'd watch over all of them. Be with uh, Joe and Joy as they are seeking your face, that uh, you would show them clearly uh, what you would have them to do in this next phase of life for them. And just uh, pray you'd be with the uh, young people as they're meeting in Awana and, and Cubbies, that you just uh, uh, bless those programs and uh, be with the kids as they're uh, learning and growing and finding out things about Jesus. Ask that you would be with the uh, Teenagers, help them to grow in your grace and to give Pastor Andrew wisdom as he guides there. Be with Brother Brett as he guides the college-age students, that you would help them to, uh, to learn as, as they study the Word together. And help us in here as we uh, look again at uh, how to be a healthy church member, that you would just uh, show us, Lord, what next steps we need to take in our Christian walk, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. I really am excited about this particular uh, part of the study. It's a good one, even though it is a Wednesday night, and so if I can uh, say this, you know, I'm literally preaching to the choir, you know, so that's just the way it is. If you happen to be here and are not a member of our church, uh, please understand, we're not trying to, this is not geared toward you. We've been doing this study uh, for, for several weeks. Uh, this is week number six. Seems like forever ago since we looked at it last because we didn't have services last Wednesday because we had our pie day on Tuesday, which was great. Uh, but uh, the idea is to become a healthy church member. And um, I say it every week, I'm going to say it again. We're not talking about our physical health, right? Our physical health is going to decline, period. We are in a sin-cursed world and until this mortal puts on immortality, until this corruptible puts on incorruption, we have to deal with the corruptible, right? And so that means that we're going to have to face all the different things that we just talked about with people with surgeries, things like that. Uh, we're gonna, but, so that's not what we're talking about. We, I want you to be a healthy church member. And by the way, if you follow the things of the Scripture, you'll be healthier, right? It's not going to make you perfectly healthy. It always cracks me up that the Channel 40 preachers that uh, you know, promise that you'll be healthy if you send them you know, uh, $400, uh, end up dying, right, like everybody else. <laughs> you think, why? Why are they dying? They shouldn't be dying at all if they're following their... But uh, that's not what the promise that, of God makes, right? He gives us eternal life, means at the end of this one, God's got eternal life for us, a new body, praise the Lord for that. But, uh, you know, if we follow the Scripture and, uh, you know, don't do stupid things with our bodies, you know, if we, if we are going to bombard our bodies with, uh, you know, illegal drugs and we're going to bombard our bodies with tobacco and alcohol and all these kinds of things are going to corrupt it even further, then we're going to have to end up paying the price for it. And you say, I, I know, Pastor, but I already quit. Well, that's great. I'm glad. But you all know that it takes a long time for your body to get rid of the, the damage that we did to it when we were kids. Uh, so, you know, uh, to, but here we are. So that, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how to be a spiritually healthy church member. A healthy church is made up of healthy members. Right? Think about that for a moment. That's how, that's how this works. I mean, if you had, if you had everybody being spiritually sick uh, and, and not doing anything about that spiritual sickness, then the church itself is going to be spiritually sick. Uh, so that's how you build a healthy church, is one member at a time. And so that's what we're looking at. And a healthy church member is a committed church member. You know, at some point... And again, if you're visiting, you're visiting. But at some point, you've got to find a church in which you say, this is my church, right? You, we, we, we use the phrase, you buy in, right? You just have to, and not that it costs you anything, right? But, you know, you just simply, you, you embrace that role. You, you take ownership. This is my church. Because until we get to that point, it's going to be difficult for us to care very much, right? I mean, that's, that's how we get to caring. Uh, let's just be as honest as we can, right? I love your kids, but I don't love your kids like I love my kids, right? Because there's ownership there, right? I, I, and, and I've embraced that role, and it changes the way we approach everything else from that point, you know? And so uh, that's the idea of church. 
Many, and this is really talking about young people today, many believe the church is out of date and out of touch. What happens is we have this thing happening in our, in our circle here where our kids graduate from high school and they come to the conclusion that I don't need to belong to a church in order to serve God. And, you know, in, in their minds, they are still serving God. And don't misunderstand, they can be still serving God in some aspect, right? You could, I mean, forever, forever we've heard, you know, I can, I can worship God on the lake. <laughs> yeah, you can, you know, that's true. But, you know, the point is that Christ made the church the focal point of the Christian walk. And so we, you know, we can. We can worship and serve God anywhere. Uh, but we are called upon by this God of ours to, to work through a church. Uh, that's what God calls us to do in the Scripture. So uh, we, we need to figure this out, right? So uh, our kids are graduating thinking, well, I can... And part of this is, listen, it says here, there are better ways to serve God than the church. And I want to say this carefully, but I want to say it. The reality is, for many years, maybe a couple of decades, in our fundamental Baptist movement, we presented a, a phony church, a, a plastic church, so to speak. You know? And the reality was, the kids were graduating and saying, I can do this without having to go to church every Sunday. You, you understand? And so a healthy church is not that plastic facade. That's not what makes a healthy church. And so our goal is to get to that healthy church by building healthy church members. So one is to become, this is to become a committed church member. This is number six. Is church membership really important? Does the Bible teach it? Yeah. They were added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Uh, if the church is going to have church leadership, who are the church leaders leading if there's not, right? I mean, if I'm the pastor of Southeast Baptist. If nobody belongs to Southeast Baptist, who am I pastoring? Nobody, right? I mean, that's the idea, right? So, the, you know, that's the, how do you deacon a church where there's no body there? Uh, the body, in, in the body, is that word that's used in the scripture, must be cohesive. Um, you know, it's an interesting uh, study. We'll look at the body again later on, the concept of the body. Uh, but uh, this morning I was asking, you know, Imagine, I mean, because the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4, that every part of the body is important, right? And every joint supplieth. That's the word that the phrase is used. Every single person supplies something to their part of the connection, and together it makes a healthy body. And so I was, I was asking, if you, had, if you lost the thumb of your dominant hand, just one little thumb, how much would it change your life? of your dominant hand. Think of all the things that you would... You, you might be able to relearn them, but just think of that. Think of how it would impact that. It's just a small little thing. It's not that big a deal. Uh, you know, there's that, you know, that uh, argument that I think part of, one of, part of one of those is carried out in the Scripture, and there's several different stories of it in history uh, made over. But, you know, the stomach and the brain and the foot and the keep making it up are, are arguing over who's the most important, right? And uh, yet, how does... How does the brain function if the stomach isn't feeding it? And how does the stomach function if the mouth isn't swallowing food? And how does the mouth function if the brain isn't telling it to chew? And how does, yeah, you get the idea, and it's all, it's all connected. That's the body and uh, every joint supplying. So uh, we need to be cohesive. How do you discipline if there's no church membership? I'm going to say some things, and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, you know, but this is one of the reasons why some people don't want to join a church is because they don't like the accountability that comes with membership. Right? When you join a church, there's accountability. How do you have accountability if there's no... Uh, you know, I mean, for instance, if you, if, you, if you visit our church forever, how do I, what authority do I have to rebuke you and deal with, with sin that is obvious in your life? Or you have for me to rebuke me and deal with sin that is obvious in my life. If we don't have connection in membership, then how do we get to that point, right? So uh, that's how discipline happens. Uh, the ministry of the church requires the connection to work, right? Widows, we're supposed to help take care of the widows. Uh, communion, we, we gather together and, and we work together to uh, serve communion. 
there's offerings and what we do with those offerings, all those kinds of things. So that's just the, the beginning of it. That's not really where the, the, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. But that's, you know, yes, church membership is really important, and God established church membership. He did. Now, you know this. I'm preaching again, you know, to people who know these things. But there's the church universal, right? When anyone trusts Christ as their Savior, they belong to the church universal. They become a part of the church. And Christ died for the church, right? Uh, not just for Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. He died for every, you know, everyone who comes to Christ. But then there is the church local. We see that throughout the scripture as well. Typically in the scripture, that locality was a city. You know, we're, we're in a, kind of a different scenario, especially in the United States, where we have churches scattered all over you know, uh, one town, right? Indianapolis has some great churches scattered all around uh, the city. Probably is a good thing because I don't know how we would all fit into one spot to, to worship and fellowship, but, um, but you know, uh, so there is this church universal and then there's the church local, and so we're, we join membership to a church local. That's the membership we're talking about. Trusting Christ your Savior, that, that's the church universal, and you belong to the body of Christ at that point. So what does a committed member look like? And now what we're actually going to do is go through some things. There is this, um, there, I don't know, I keep forgetting to check out there. We used to have some cards out there, but I think the last one may have been taken about three or four months ago, and we haven't replaced them. But there's this card that we pass out sometimes. It's called a church covenant. You ever seen the church covenant? It basically says, Here's what it means for me to join the church, to join up with the body. This is what I'm covenanting, what I'm committing myself to. And it's a big deal. It really is. It's all biblical. It's not like the church, it's not like Southeast Baptist has the rules, right? We didn't write these rules. Somebody compiled them from the scripture, and it wasn't even somebody from here. That, that particular document has been around for a couple hundred years now. But... Uh, but anyway, it's, this, it's called a church covenant, and there's variations of the church covenant. But that's what this all is kind of based on, all right? So just, as you, just so you know, a committed member is someone who says, I'm going to enter into the church, and I'm going I'm to become that significant part of the body, that, bo that joint which supplieth, by accomplishing the things that God calls upon his people, his children, to do within the body of a church. One is to love the brethren. We're actually pretty good about this one, right? But Jesus said, And hereby shall men know that ye are my disciples. How is it? If you have love one for another. That's how men are going to know that we are God's disciples. So we need to learn how to have love for one another. I'm going to tell you, I think Southeast does a pretty good job on this one. Right? This, is, this is one that we, we have a, a way of showing uh, the love for the brethren, but that's what a committed member is going to do. Some people... I mean, this is personality, right? I, I can't, you can't change personality, but you have to deal with it. Some people want to love you from, you know, there. That's just some people. My job is to learn how to love every personality, not to make every personality like me. Do you understand? I'm not the personality that we, that we form after. We form after Christ, not John Ray, right? So... Uh, figuring out how to love varieties of people is a little bit more of a challenge. That may, means that we have to learn some things about some people. Uh, some people, I can stand up here and, and make comments and I can tease from the pulpit and, and they laugh right along with me. Some people, if I did that, after they crawled under the pew, they would crawl themselves right out the front door and may never come back. You understand? Because that's not their personality. And so our job is to figure out how to love everybody uh, and, you know, not to try to make everybody the same, but to love everybody. So love the brethren. That's, that was a unique thing. But, by the way, if you just look through the 12 apostles, or however you want to count the apostles, but look through the disciples, I call them the disciples, uh, as they're following Jesus, look at the personalities that are, that are there. I mean, look at the variations of personalities that you have just in the 12. Uh, that's a pretty varied uh, you know, group of people. And then, uh, so uh, just thinking that through. A committed member, you know what they do? They attend 
regularly. Again, I'm preaching to the choir. Here it is Wednesday night. You're here. Pastor, one more you want. I'm here on Wednesday night. Uh, but here's what the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is. Now listen, you got, if you've been around here for very long at all, you know that this is true. I don't believe I have ever one time stood at the pulpit and browbeaten the congregation for taking vacations, for taking time off, for not being at places. You know, I'm, a, I'm aware, and believe it or not, all of your pastoral staff is aware that we do have golden jobs in that we can pretty much set our own schedule minus, you know, three events a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You, you understand? I mean, for the most part, we can set our own schedules. Now, we have a lot to get done in those times, but, you know, if, if we need to go to the dentist, we don't have to take a vacation day. If we need to take our kids to see the eye doctor, or if we just want to go on a field trip with our kids, we have that flexibility. And so I'm aware that after you put in 50 hours of work, that you literally have two days to get everything done that you need to get done before the 50 hours starts up again, right? I, I, we're, we do know this. And we try to be careful about that. So that is why I don't stand up and browbeat you. Take the time off that you need, et cetera, et cetera. But know this, you know, that, you know, God's asking for a day, a week, from all of us. That's what he's asking for. And so, you know, while even, you know, God's flexible here, the reality is, you know, we've got to be careful because if you think about this, if you miss five Sundays, you've missed a tenth of your work. Right? If you're punching a clock, you've missed a tenth of your work time. It starts adding up quick, right? It really does. It's kind of weird. So, uh, you know what a committed church member does? They attend regularly. That's just what commitment involves. It seeks peace. Uh, if it be possible, the Bible says, as much as life in you live peaceably with all men. And um, again, I'm going to tell you, this is, I've, I've been here over 31 years, and we've never had those knockdown dragouts. We've just never had. Have we ever had disagreements, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Probably every single service, if the truth be known, right? I mean, if the truth be known, how do you get this many people together and everybody, you know, everybody agree? Uh, that's going to be a challenge. But what happens is we disagree, but we choose to approach the disagreement in a way that brings peace. And that's huge. That's a really great thing. It's much as impossible, as much, if it's possible, much life in us. We ought to live peacefully with all men. A committed church member seeks that peace. And we are, we are enjoying the benefits of a group of people that have chosen to seek peace over antagonism first, right? I mean, that's, that's why we've had 31 years of, of peace. You know, it's been a joy because we've, that's part of the commitment we've made one to another. And I would just encourage you to keep going with it. Uh, edifies others. Uh, Ephesians, should say Ephesians 4.29 says, uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearer. Our job as we come together as a body our job is to edify, to build up, to, to help one another, to strengthen one another. Uh, that becomes our job. And as we're doing that job individually, then the church becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. A healthy church is, can, it comes from healthy individual members. Um, I'm going through the line the, quickly because we've got to... You're going to die when I say this, but we have 23 slides to go through today. And this is number three. So we'll, we'll try to get through it, I promise. Uh, but uh, we, a church member warns and admonishes. That's what we do, right? We, we step in and we, we tell people the hard truth. We, we, we tell people, we encourage people. Admonish means to encourage them to go the right direction, not to go the wrong direction. Uh, that's a challenge. It's not easy for us as church. You know, nobody likes that. Nobody likes this aspect of our Christianity. But we're called upon by God to do so. And we're going to look at the verse in just a little bit. Uh, the Apostle Paul gives us a great verse to look at. Uh, a, a committed church member pursues reconciliation, right? So some churches, it's like this. Sister so-and-so sits over there, and sister so-and-so sits over there, and they've been doing that for the last 15 years, right? That's 
some churches. And what's missing is this step in a committed relationship to your church, which requires us to pursue reconciliation, right? It's not that we've never had problems. It's just that when we do, we, we try, to look, try to live peaceably, and then we pursue. We go after. Let's, let's mend this problem. It's not enough. Peace does not mean the absence of war in the, in the church. Do you understand that? If everybody just comes in and sits quietly and doesn't talk to each other, that doesn't mean the church is, it has great peace. That means that they're just a bunch of people who won't talk to each other. That, that's not what God wants for us, right? That doesn't, that's not, that doesn't accomplish what God's called the church together to do. Uh, bears with one another, puts up with one another. Uh, that's what the church does. A committed church member says, you know, brother so-and-so is about to get on my last nerve, but I'm going to love him anyway, and I'm going to try to live peaceably with him, and I'm going to pursue reconciliation, and I'm going to put up with whatever's happening until the Holy Spirit has a chance to help brother so-and-so get over that hump, and he becomes as perfect as I am. You get the idea? And uh, you, you, that's a joke. Hello. Uh, so anyway, um, <clears throat> uh, church prepares for the Lord's table, and that not, doesn't mean like putting the juice and and you know, crackers together. It's talking about our hearts. We prepare uh, for the Lord's table. And a church, a committed church member supports the ministry. These are the commitments that we're making. These are some quick overview of the commitments that we're making as church members. Again, I know it's Wednesday and we're here, so what I'm asking us to do is to understand why this is important so that we can pass that on because those generations that are coming up are saying, why do I need to go to a church? I can worship God without going to church. And you can, but you can't worship God rightly since God's the one that commanded us to go to church. right? So you can't worship God rightly. We want to do this the right way. Um, so now we're going to just jump through these. right? So we're back. I, I'm, some of this language is going to look a little funny because it's literally, I'm taking some lines from that church covenant concept. Right? Uh, but this language is just uh, the scripture. We are to walk in love, right? Uh, we are commanded. This is my commandment, to love one another as I have loved you. These things I command you, that you love one another. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Guess what? The Holy Spirit of God is living in us, and the Holy Spirit is telling us. Not just the pastors. Paul's like, I don't have to tell you this. As the Bible teacher, I don't have to tell you this. Because the Holy Spirit of God is telling you. You know. Love one another. We ought to walk in love. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to, look what it says, lay down our lives for the brethren. That's what the Bible says, right? I mean, we're supposed to be toward each other like Christ was for us. Uh, even so as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, right? Uh, that's our, our, our love for each other is to reflect that love of, of God uh, toward us. Um, and uh, so it just says it again and again. We ought to love one another. This commandment, last one uh, we have of him, that whom he loveth, God love his... Uh, that whom he who loveth God, I'm sorry, love his brother also. So, uh, you know, it's... Do you know anybody? Don't think in our church now, right? Do you know anybody that's hard to love? Nobody's hard to love. You know anybody's hard to love that claims the name of Christ? They're a brother or a sister in Christ. Do you see any place where it says, love them if they're not the hard people to love? No. Lay down our lives for the brethren. That's, that's the challenge. It's a big deal. Uh, then we are to strive, to, to work hard, to sweat, to bleed, to push toward the mark, right? We strive uh, for the prize of the high calling. So, uh, in, and we strive for uh, getting knowledge and tr so that we can accomplish the things that are here. Look at that Romans 15. I told you it would come up. Here it is. And I myself am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. You know, that word admonish is that word that kind of comes... It, it's the twofold meaning. It has with it warn, and it has with it encouraged toward goodness. And so if you put those two thoughts together, it would come up with a word that we use often, and it's the word counsel, right? 
that we would act. And the Apostle Paul says to the Roman believers, I am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you are able to do this job. So people sometimes come and say, Pastor, I think you need to talk to so-and-so. And I don't mind talking to so-and-so. I really don't. And, and sometimes I would agree that maybe I should get involved. But often, I'm, why don't you do this? Why, why does, it doesn't take pastoral authority to share the, words, the, the truth of the Word of God. right? And so the Apostle Paul would look at us and say, Hello, you're able to do this. Uh, you know, I'm, some, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Some pastors don't want their church people to do this. They don't. They're afraid it's going to cause a mess. And it can, right? It can if somebody mishandles the situation. But I'm going to just tell you honestly, I would rather see the spiritual growth that comes from mishandling a situation but trying to do what God's called us to do than it is to simply dump everything off on the pastor and the congregation never gets the chance to to grow as God's called us to, right? So everything doesn't have to go through the pastor. The reality is, if you go to someone, deal with the problem, and they get things right because of you, I don't even ever have to know, right? Why do I have to know? What, what, what good is my knowledge at that point, right? I don't, I don't have to know everything about everybody's lives. But when it comes to us, we shouldn't assume that I need to tell the pastor. We should assume that maybe God's given me the opportunity uh, to admonish. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Look, it's not having the pastor do this. It's teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual psalms, singing with grace and heart to the Lord. This is what a healthy church starts to do. As we're growing in the Lord, we begin to actually come together and we're, we're encouraging and helping one another. We have. It's, it's so much fun right now. I'm, I'm just telling you, honestly, you know, a couple weeks ago I preached about how thankful I am for Southeast Baptist, and I am because we have reached a fun point in this ministry. Uh, I am watching Sunday school teachers shepherd Sunday school classes. I, I'm, I have people, you know, going, not coming, I mean, literally, oh, pastor, excuse me, I wanted to talk to so-and-so. And they go and talk to so-and-so. Sometimes I'm like, what am I, chopped liver? You know? But the reality is, I don't have to do everything, right? That's, that's the whole point. As God's people are growing, that begins to happen. And it's, this is like, whew, we're in a place right now where we're watching that taking place, and it is, this is fun. We have people meeting all the time. You may or may not know it, but we have people come here and meet at the church, and they're discipling one another. They're encouraging one another, helping one another. Uh, and they didn't come and say, Pastor, uh, you know, I, can I do this? Because you know what I would say? Well, I am persuaded of you, brethren, that ye are able to do this. Yes, do this. That's the job of the church. Uh, we are to strive in knowledge. We are to strive in holiness. Uh, this is a big deal. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as manner some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We are called upon by God to live holy, righteous lives. Have you ever noticed that it's not easy to do? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, right? We literally have the power of God in us, and we still struggle to live the way we are. It's not easy. But we are called upon by God to strive toward holiness and to help each other along the way. And so uh, that becomes another part of this. And a committed member comforts. Um, says, Jesus says, uh, if I then be your Lord and Master and wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And, and that concept of washing, of foot washing is literally to make someone comfortable, to, to help take off the, the pain and work of the day. Uh, I, I love this Second Corinthians passage. I love it because I just think almost that it's comical. If you'll help me, I'm not trying to belittle the word of God here, but it says, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who 
comforteth us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God for the sufferings of Christ bound in us, uh, abound in us so our consolation also aboundeth in us. I love that because five times. Do you think God's trying to get a message across there? Five times God uses some form of the word comfort. And he says, this is what we're supposed to do. He literally says, God has put us through, look at the sufferings of Christ. God has put us through hard times so that we can figure out later on how to comfort someone else, right? So Mr. Andrea just went through this surgery and stuff, right? I've never had lung surgery. I've really never had, when I was 16, I was in a car wreck and broke my face up, and I had surgery. Apart from that, I had one little minor surgery, and and that was to remove a fatty tumor. That was it. I've never had surgeries. I don't fully understand that. I'm called upon by God to go to hospitals all the time and help people with, you know, getting through their surgeries, but I, I really don't get it. I'm just being honest with you. But some of you get it. And you can, you can say things in ways that, you know, I can, I can share God's truth, but it's going to be harder for me to, to understand what people are going through. I've never gone through that, Right? I, and so I remember when my mom died. You guys, some of you were here long, way back when my mom died. So my mom got sick. She was only 74. She got sick uh, in February. She never left the hospital. In June, she died. And so she was in the hospital for months. And I remember when, right after my mom died, I stood up in front of the church and I said, I apologize. I'm like, I, I never really understood what it was to lose somebody. You know, that was, that was new to me. I've, I've, I kind of had that golden spoon in my mouth. I'm just being honest. I mean, I've not been wealthy, but I've, you know, I've just lived a blessed life. And so here I was, you know, I was a you know, 45-year-old man, and that's the first time I'd really lost someone that was close to me. And I'm, here I'm supposed to be the comforter for people going through these things. But I, I, I was failing in having the right kind of compassion, because I didn't understand it. God puts us through some things, allows us to go through some things, so that we can comfort other people, right? Uh, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty as occasion of the flesh, but serve one another. This is what we do. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What are the words, by the way, that we're supposed to comfort one another with? There, does anybody remember? In First Thessalonians chapter 4, it says... For the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which shall live and remain shall be caught up together uh, to meet the Lord in the air, and there shall we, I can't remember, there we shall also be with the Lord. Wherefore, brethren, comfort one another with these words. Right? The, com- we, we're supposed to take the truths of God's word and use it as a comfort. Hey, guess what? This life isn't the end. It's not, it's not all over. Comfort yourselves together. Edify one another, even as also you do. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. A committed church member says, this is, this is my job. I'm going to do my job, right? I'm going to love the brethren. I'm going to strive toward holiness and toward knowledge. I'm going to let God use me to be a comfort to those around me. I don't know if you're aware of it, there are people who come to church every Sunday, and they need comfort. You know, it, it's... Not everybody has had a hunky-dory week, right? It's just, true. it's just not true. We are to promote and not destroy, right? Our job is to build up, not destroy. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. I don't want to hear the stories. I'm just asking. Have you ever had someone gossip about you, and it's hurt? Ouch. And it goes, it's a deep wound. Sometimes it's really hard. What do you do if it's a brother or a sister in Christ? And then you're called upon by God to come back into the church every Sunday to love them, to live peaceably with them, to work toward reconciliation with them. It's a challenge, right? It is. It's a challenge. And yet, I am convinced, or I am persuaded, like Paul said, that you're able to do this, and and that's what God wants to do for us, right? So we're to promote, to build up, not to destroy. Uh, That talebearer reveals secrets. And, uh, you know... Again, I don't need to know everything. Just because something's happening in somebody's life, I don't necessarily need to know it. I don't. Uh, now, today, this day and age, with Facebook, 
there's probably not much that we don't know about each other, but uh, that's a different thing, right? Um, we are to let know, we read that one, if a brother or sister be naked, destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, depart in peace, or if we can put that in the southern vernacular, bless your heart, right? If we would say that, right? Uh, God bless you, be warm, be filled, notwithstanding you give him no, those things that are needful to the body, what is a prophet, right? It's, I mean, here I am, I'm naked and destitute, I need food, I need clothes, and you say, God bless you. Well, thanks a lot. I, you know, uh, that, that's not a real great help. And so our job is to promote, not to destroy. We're supposed to get involved. We're supposed to get involved. And I've said this to you guys before, but it's true. Ministry is sticky, right? It's sticky. You know what I mean by sticky? It's like, you know, you get that, you get that honey, that, that jar of honey in the cabinet, and nobody ever wants to go get it because... You know, it's just, it's sticky, and then you got to wash your hands. Like it's that's ministry. It's just sticky, right? Nobody wants to do these things necessarily. It's like oh, I don't want to get involved, and yet this is what it means to belong to a body, right? If if you uh, if you break your foot, you do something about it, right? You don't just ignore it. You do something about it because it's part of the body. And so that's what this is all about, right? So we don't just say, bless your heart and send them on their merry way. Uh, we get involved. Uh, a committed member is committed spiritually uh, to these things. Uh, let us follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith we may edify one another. What, what are we following after? Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. Even so, you, so we're, we're trying to help them grow spiritually. We're trying to help us grow spiritually. Even so, ye... For as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, we're here so that we can become a healthy church member and thereby build a healthy body. Uh, and so we're doing that. Uh, I appreciate it. We are doing it. For uh, This is that body one I was telling you about. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till all come into the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, by the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive us. But speaking truth, the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, According to the effectual working, or the effective working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body and the edifying of itself in love. That's what we do. We're part of the body. We do our part. Everybody does their part. And, and the body works beautifully, right? Um, science tells us, at least they used to tell us when I was in school. I don't know if they still tell us this now. But science tells us that basically your body's made to live forever, right? You're... H2O ad. Somebody wants to sell me water? I don't think. Uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, your body's kind of made to live forever. It really is. And that's actually genuinely true, right? Adam and Eve were made to live forever. If, if sin had not come in, Adam and Eve would still be alive today, right? Uh, so that's true. But what happened is something came in, and science calls it age, but you and I know that age in and of itself is a result of the fall, right? That this corruption that is in us is sin, and uh, we know that. So, you know, but this body that Christ is building of the church is made after, what does it say there? The, the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this can work, and it can work beautifully. Uh, just like our bodies should be able to work beautifully, and they, they will one day when this corruptible puts on incorruption. Um, we're committed toward posper prosperity, and we're not talking about wealth here. We're not talking about wealth. We're talking about spiritual prosperity, right? That, that a committed, and I'm using these words because they're from that, that uh, you know, uh, thing I was telling you about earlier. So James says, we look into the perfect law of liberty and we continue and not being a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, and this man shall be blessed in his deed. And we want to—that's what we want to be. We want to be that blessed person. We want to be that healthy uh, church member. 
uh, so we already looked at the one about the naked and destitute. Um, this is a tough one. Look at the next one. In that church covenant, it says a healthy church, it doesn't say healthy, it says a church member is committing themselves to personal and family devotions. Why would that be a case? Does the word of God say I should have those things? Yes. And does that make for a healthy church member? Yes. So we pick up our Bibles and we read them as a part of becoming a healthy Christian. And as a healthy Christian, we build a healthy church. And so we study to show ourselves approved to God, a work that needs not to be ashamed, right? Dividing the word of truth. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is proper for doctrine, reproof, correction, for the instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. This is what God's trying to get us to, right? And it happens through the word. Now, I'm going to say this one. This, one's, this is the bigger challenge. I'm going to say this as nicely as I know how, but it's, it's a truth. If we're missing this, this part of our Christian walk, then we're not nearly as healthy as we think. Do you understand? To be healthy, you have to eat. To be healthy, you have to drink. To be healthy, you have to eat the right things and drink the right things. And that's just, that's the, that's the nature of our lives. And that's what we ought to be doing with the Word of God. If, if we're not getting to this point, everything else may look really good, but all of a sudden we get here and we're like, oh, wait a minute. There's something really missing that is eventually going to catch up to us, right? I mean, if you don't get vitamin C, what do you get? Is that rickets? Is that the one that gives you rickets? What is it? Scurvy. Scurvy, right? We all get vitamin C, so we don't get scurvy. But, you know, that's what used to happen, right? What is rickets? What do they you miss out to get? D? If you don't get vitamin D, you get rickets, right? And these are all old diseases, right? We probably have new names for them. But you, you remember when you were studying your history books and they were coming across the, the ocean and they would, they would be suffering because they, didn't, they forgot that they needed some fruit along the way to get that vitamin C. And by the time they get to the uh, other side of the ocean, they're... Some of them are dying because, you know, they're, they're missing things. That's what happens here. All the rest of your life may be looking really good. But if we're not getting the sustenance that we need, we're not going to stay healthy. We can't. We can't stay healthy that way. We, we've got to get that sustenance that we so desperately need. All Scripture is given by inspiration. Do you remember the uh, Jim Berg book we studied a few months ago, a couple years ago? I don't know. Anyway, changed his image. But... He gives us a definition of this, of this verse in 2 Timothy 3, which is a really good definition. He says, and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So he says, here it is. Doctrine is that which is right. The Word of God is going to show me what is right. All right? Reproof, that which is not right. The Word of God will show me that which is not right. Correction, how to make the, that which is not right, right. You see where this is going? And then instruction in righteousness, how to keep that which we've made right, right. It's kind of a, just a nice, easy way to remember those four things, right? We, we need everything, every one of those in order to be this healthy Christian. I need to know what's right. I need to know what's wrong so I can get it taken care of. And then I need to keep it right once I get it there. And uh, that's what the Word of God will do for us. So are we having our devotional time? Are we doing what... what a committed church member whose desire is to build a healthy body is committing themselves to. And I'm just throwing out the challenge because if we're not there, then how many, how many people not having a Bible time in their lives would it take to make the church weak? Really, it would only take one, right? It may just be my big toe, but ouch, that's a big deal. And so it just it doesn't take much. And if, you know, if there's... If 50% of the people are struggling here and we're not getting the vitamins and minerals and the things that we need, spiritually speaking, the body's growing weaker and weaker rather than stronger and stronger. And so uh, sometimes we, we focus on the things that are a little easier. We witness, right? A committed church member says, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and to salvation everyone to believe it. Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, you know, so you can kind of read through all of those, but this is what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, go down to the last one, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Uh, we're supposed to make known the mystery of the gospel. 
this is what we do. And so, uh, you know, a committed church member says, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to be a part of sharing the gospel. Uh, you know, I would challenge us all. You know, when's the last time you can remember talking to, talking to someone about the gospel? And if we're going back months, do we think there's a problem there? I mean, honestly, have we not come across any lost people in the last, in the last two weeks? It, it becomes, it's, it's what a committed church member says. I'm, it's about the gospel. We're going to do this. Our walk, right? You've got to hurry. But we're supposed to walk honestly as in the day, not rioting and drunkenness and chamberlains and want, uh, chambering and wantonness, not in strife, not in envying. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. We're to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, you know, we're to walk circumspectly. Uh, that's like walking a tightrope and making sure that we're careful with each step that we take. Um, we're to walk as in the, light, in the light because we're children of light. Uh, keep, there's a lot that the Bible says about our walk, and a committed church member says, I'm going to have my walk right, my, my testimony right. What I'm doing with my life is going to be right uh, so that I can uh, help the cause of Christ. Uh, just in dealings, the Bible says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It talks about servants, obeying your masters. Obey your employers. Then it talks about employers. Do right by your servants. Uh, we're, we're, we're God's people. We're supposed to be just in our dealings. Right? We, we ought to have a, a testimony of, of being just. I, I, I'm going to say something because it's, just, it's in the news, and I don't mean to open up some kind of political thing here, but you know, you know why we have, we have union problems in America? is because employees aren't doing right by their employers and employers aren't doing right by their employees. And some of them claim to know Christ. Shame on us, right? That ought not be us. Uh, we ought to be just in our dealings and uh, faithful in engagements. Uh, you know, we uh, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. It doesn't mean you can only say yes and no. It simply means, you know, that if we say yes, people ought to be able to count on it. If we say no, people ought to be able to count on it, right? We, we shouldn't have to, you know, yes, maybe, I don't know, you know, it ought to be what, what we are and uh, faithful in our engagements. Um, exemplary in deportment. What is deportment? How you carry yourself, right? Uh, it's used a lot of times like in, uh, in, in uh, higher society, in, in high society where you take deportment classes and it's really then talking about sitting up straight and, uh, you know, not being the loudest person in the room and making sure that your conversational skills are good. And, you know, and that's, that is all, that's all good stuff scripturally. But he's really just talking about our testimony, right? That we put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, and put on the new man. Uh, only let your conversation or your way of life be as becometh the gospel, as makes the gospel palatable. Let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believer in word, conversation, charity, Spirit, faith, purity. Uh, and, and Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Uh, and so, you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Having your conversation honest among the... I love this one. That's in First Peter 2. Honest among the Gentiles. The lost world should see us in a unique light. Right? When it says the Gentiles, some of the unsaved people here, and it's like, we ought to be out there representing Christ in a unique way. Uh, and so our deportment becomes very important. A while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, seeing that, ye, that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ye ought, ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. That's the way we ought to be, you know, uh, deporting ourselves, uh, tattling, right? We're not supposed, I love this little fear, I'm, I'm out of time, so we'll just rush through this, but we're not supposed to get involved in this kind of stuff. I, I love First Timothy 5. And with all, they learn to be idle, wandering from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers, and also busybodies. <laughs> I mean, you know, God just puts it right out there. Stop, this is none of your business, you don't need to know, leave it alone, right? Uh, I, I love Proverbs 26. It says, where no wood is, the fire goes out. Right? If, if we stop telling the, the gossip story, the fire goes out. But as long as there's somebody putting wood on the fire, 
Barakivin. Look at the last part of the verse. And it says, and where there's no tailbearer, strife ceases. Wow. Think about that. That's pretty powerful. We're not supposed to have that. Uh, it, uh, we, ought, we ought not to be involved in that tattling stuff. Backbiting, not, we ought not to be us. Uh, people who literally bite back, like who you know, get you know, their feathers riled and, and snap and bite back. Uh, look, look at the list God puts them in. I love this. The first word, backbiters, which isn't that bad to our thinking. And the last word, or the last phrase, disobedient to parents, that's not so bad. But look at, look at the grouping that God puts together. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, and disobedient to parents. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoo! I think God puts backbiting and disobedience as a big thing. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. Uh, he that hideth hatred with his lying lips, he's a, he utters, is he that utters a slander is a fool. Right? So I'm out of time. Committed church membership. It's a big deal to become, belong to a church. It's not just where I belong. Right? It's not like, oh, I go to this church. No, no. It's saying, I'm going to become a part of building a healthy body and all the things that go with it. Father, help us to be committed not to Southeast Baptist Tabernacle, but to you and to your word that we might build a body that represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Nice. Nice. I know. That ball better keep rolling. I don't disagree. <laughs>